Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, and then when he's like, are you sure? When they're like making out, I'm like, oh, gosh, yes. Yes. We are all sure. <laughs> we are never been more sure than we And then we you throw right the now. British accent into it and you're just like, mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And we are. I tip my hat to you. His Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. And we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you. Okay, so I'm really excited because today we are talking about Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone aired on Netflix on April 23rd and is based on the Grishaverse novels by Lee Bardugo. Okay, so this story follows Alina Starkov, and she is an orphaned map maker who is suddenly thrust into the upper class life of the Grisha when her subdued magical powers of the small science finally bursts to the surface to save the life of her best friend. Okay, so Alina Starkov was an orphan, and so she has this best friend named Mal. They were orphans together at this orphanage. And what a Grisha is, is a person who, it's kind of like they have magic, but in the books they call it the small science. I think they mention that in the show too. Mm-hmm. And what they say is that like calls to like. So if you have a special affinity with fire or being able to, you know, create different things with metal, like that's what you're, it's manipulating matter basically. And some people have the ability to do that and some don't. People that do have that ability are called Grisha. Alina Starkov is, she has that power, but when she was tested as a child, as all children are in this world, she got out of the test because she injured herself. And so when you injure yourself, it doesn't like have a accurate reading when they do that. So she didn't know this whole time that she had this power, which is she is a sun summoner. A majority of the actors are relative unknowns. Jesse May Lee plays Alina Starkov and Archie Renault plays Malian Arrestive. And Ben Barnes plays General Kerrigan, also known as the Darkling, also known as the Black Heretic, also known as my new babe. So if you watch TV ever, then you've definitely seen Ben Barnes in something. He was in Prince Caspian, which you told me, and I had no idea. I mean, that beautiful baby face. Yes. I never would have thought it could be where it is today. It grew up into that chiseled man. Oh, man. Jamie Christmas, let me tell you. It's... mm, He's flawless. Yeah. I just... Also... If you're a fan of Westworld, he plays Logan. I could not see him out of the Logan character for the long, like for at least the first two and a half episodes. Mm-hmm. And then the Darkling character really came out and I was like, I see you, Ben Barnes. Yes. Way to own it. He was also in The Punisher, which I never watched, but. It's now in my queue. <laughs> is that like a Marvel thing? Punisher is a Marvel uh, spinoff. Yes. Oh, it is? Okay. I need to see him punishing people because that seems like something I would want to see. This is why I love like fangirling over shows because it gives me like a new imaginary boyfriend. Like every time I discover things, I'm like, what is more fun than that? It's like, (laughs) I'm going to go have a little date with this guy. He plays the bad guy. He's like the epitome of tall, dark and handsome, but also like very, very ancient and evil. But he's good looking. So we're okay with it. To cater to... The Darkling, he plays a very good villain. 
Like, if you're yeah. ever, like, for me, Johnny Depp being typecast as a villain is a good look for him. And I think yeah. Ben Barnes being cast as a villain is also a great look for him as well. Like, you look at his face and you're like, okay, I, I kind of need him to have some baggage. Because he's so cute. Right. <laughs> I would say when you don't expect Anakin Skywalker to be the bad guy in Star Wars. Right. To be Darth Vader. Yeah. And then you kind of, and then you see how much he owns it later on. You're like, shoot. And you're like, okay, well, now I'm here for it. Like, great. You yeah. just be as evil Sign as you want to be. As of now, no announcement has been made for the renewal of season two. Typically, Netflix waits 30 days before announcing if a show will be renewed. They like to see the numbers from the first 28 days, and we're recording this episode on day 18. So stay tuned, folks. We'll have that news for you. So this show has a huge fan base. I imagine there will be a green light for season two pretty soon here. Okay, so the chemistry between Alina and General Kerrigan is voltaic. It's so intense. Like, it comes off the screen between them. It really does. Yeah, you can see as, like, a young girl, like, what she would be attracted to. Like, she wants to please him. She wants to impress him. And they have this connection because they're both summoners. So he can Mm -hmm. summon darkness and she can summon the sun. So they're a different type of Grisha. They're both more powerful. They're almost like the yin to the other one's yang. Like, they equal each other out. So it's almost like... This girl that never really felt like she belonged to anyone except for maybe Mal, her best friend, she's now in this world where she's not only, like, revered, she's, you know, feels like she's a part of that universe, part of him, because he's also an amplifier. So when he touches her, it makes her magic stronger. And there's other amplifiers, like some people will wear, like, different magical beasts if you... In the books, well, it also explains this in the show, if you, you know, take the life of that beast and then you use their teeth or their claws and you wear it um, as, like, jewelry, then it amplifies your magic. But there are people, different Grisha, who are human amplifiers, and that's what the Darkling is for her. So she feels this connection to him. And And it was felt through the screen, for sure. Yes. I, I was like, oh, this is happening. Yeah, and you, like, want it to happen. Yeah, you do. You want, and at that point, you don't know he's a villain. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I see this. Polar opposites coming together. Let's make this happen. Yeah, and then when he's like, are you sure? And they're, like, making out. I'm like, oh, gosh, yes. Yes. We are all sure. (laughs) We have never been more sure than we are And then you throw the British accent into it, and you're just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And we like are. I tip perfect, my hat to you. His perfect little like beard. And right? <laughs> his eyes are so dark brown that they look black. Yeah. And at first I was like, is he wearing contacts? But no, that's just his eyeballs. Mm-hmm. His glorious dark brown eyes. Okay, so here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. This means there are going to be spoilers. We're going to be talking about plot lines that are in the book that you might not have seen in the show. And we're going to be telling you what happens at the end. So if you haven't binged this because you've been under a rock, then go ahead and binge it and then listen. This show. Okay, so I read the first book over the, over Mother's Day weekend, just this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised that Kaz, Jesper, Inej, and Nina, their storylines are not in this book. At all. At all. Okay. And I was like... Just kept waiting for them to show up. And then I did some research because I'm new. I'm a new fan to the series. Well, you know, fans that have been around for a while, they already know this. But Lee Bardugo's 
other trilogy in the same Grisha verse is called the Six of Crows. And that's where we meet this crew of people. Okay. And that's like more of a heist series, which makes sense why they, you know, tried to pull off this heist. Okay. So Kaz is like the leader of the, I think it's called the Dregs okay. or something or all of those characters are characters in this universe. We just don't meet them until two years after the trilogy of Shadow and Bone is over. Okay. That's a lot. Okay. It makes more sense now because I was wondering what the point of, like, when these two storylines were going to meet. Mm-hmm. But knowing that they were taking two separate storylines from two different books makes more sense. So I don't know what the storyline is from The Six of Crows. I know that it is like a heist type of book. I don't know what kind of heist. So perhaps they created, I'm assuming they created the storyline for this show. And why I think that is, is if they keep intertwining these stories, they can make more than three seasons out of this show. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because it's it's a trilogy, Shadow and Bone. Mm-hmm. So is Six of Crows. So if they somehow keep weaving those together, we could maybe get six seasons. Tops. Okay. Of the Darkling looking at me and telling me he loves me. Anyway. But I loved those characters. I was a little confused. I was like, okay, pick it up. What are they doing? Are they, you know, I love Jesper though. Him and the goat. Oh, that was so cute. He's just Shout out to Milo. Thing. He's shout out to Milo the goat. He's he just brings this kind of happiness and this ease to this world that is so kind of oppressive to a lot of the characters in the story. And I really love that about him. Another interesting thing is in the book, Mal and Alina, they share a kiss, not once but twice. I have read that season two will have more Mal and Alina action, if you will. That is something to look forward to because I did want them to get together and to connect, to see their friendship evolve into something more. Because in the book, she's very much has this, like in her inner thoughts, she thinks that he could never see her that way. And she's like, loves him like more than a friend, which doesn't necessarily play out very strongly in the show. Although the letters was like a great way for them to show that they really care for each other in the books he's a little more cold and brash and they actually see each other during the winter fet like you know how he comes to say i have found the stag Mm -hmm. they see each other in the books and they have this kind of really terrible argument oh so and he's you know jealous of her relationship with kerrigan which I get. That's totally. competition. Just yes. saying. I mean, they're so different. So we have the tall, dark, and handsome stranger where she's probably falling in love with someone for the first time. And he's responding. Like, she's kind of had this unrequited love with Mal forever. And he's like her safe place, her friend. But now she's like feeling this, you know, sexual tension and chemistry with this like gorgeous powerful man and she's like well mal's not thinking about me anymore so i'm gonna move on i guess he's not answering my letters and i mean they are so different and i'm kind of torn i don't know what team i'm on i know that was like the big question for me too i was just like oh but this is also a win yeah because when they are about to go back across the folds and the darkling is talking to mal he's basically telling them 
telling him, I have time. We're both pretty much eternal because they're both summoners. So Mm -hmm. the stronger or the more powerful Grisha that you are, the longer that you live. So he's like, I'll wait it out. She'll forgive me. So I put a bone collar into her skin. It's fine. She's going to forgive me. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I would forgive him too. I'm like, who am I? (laughs) I'm just like possessed by his like gorgeousness. And I'm like, oh, Mal's going to die. It's fine. I'll love him while he's alive. And then when you die, I'm jumping right back into his arms. But that's just me. I mean, that's probably the most resilient male mindset I've ever heard. Like, "Ah, she'll get over it. I'll be here. Yeah. He's like, I'm an internal being. Yeah. It's fine. I'm in about 100 regardless. And you're going to die out. Yeah. I'm going to be here. Yeah. He's like, Take it or leave it, yeah, bro. He's like centuries old. We don't even know how old he is. So the first time they showed Mal dying in the show, I thought he was dead. I was like, oh, they made us like him. Right? And he kind of has like nine lives, it seems like. But I mean, the healers help with that. Right. I did feel the same way, too. And then in the show, when whatever dragon beast got Alina... Mm-hmm. that exposed her powers. I was like, no, not her. Like, yeah. I was like, she's the, the main storyline. What is going on here? And yeah. again, the healers coming to the rescue. I was just like, oh, okay. Julie, it's only episode one. Chill out. <laughs> I totally thought Matt was dead. Yeah. I, and then like all throughout the season, I was like, he's gonna die. I did not think his character was permanent, especially when his friends went too. Mm-hmm. He's Like, he's still getting hit. And mind you, I kept forgetting that the Grisha costumes are bulletproof. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, what is going on here? And then, you know, you rewatch and you're like, oh, yeah, just kidding. I also kept saying, you know, to reiterate what you were saying, Mal definitely has nine lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, maybe he has an ancestor that's Grisha. That, you know, that somehow that's what's keeping him alive. Maybe that's his Grisha-verse power. I don't know. It's interesting that you say that because in the books, I believe it's the Darkling does say this. He says that sometimes people don't know how powerful they are. And Alina kind of thinks about that, how Mal is like the best tracker that anyone has ever known. He could track anything. She kind of thinks about that, like maybe that's a power or something. Oh. Um, because in the book, they were both tested. He was not Grisha. And she pushed her power down. Right. She suppressed it. She suppressed it. It didn't show her getting injured. She just kept it down, which made her her whole life. It like sucked the life out of her kind of pushing this power down. She was always really scrawny. Her skin was very sallow. Her hair was like not vibrant. So she just figured that's probably why Mal never was attracted to her because she was kind of sickly looking and scrawny. So when she finally let go of that and just allowed her power to come out, she transformed into this much like healthier, vibrant, strong person. And the way that they described it, when the darkling would touch her he would call to her magic and then she would answer and she couldn't always just call it herself, but she finally got past that and was able to beckon to her magic and then it answer. So question about the books. Yes. Cause I have not read them yet. I've only recently binged the show. Uh, what is going down with the hot Fjordan and Nina? So Nina, she's a spy mm-hmm. for general Kerrigan 
in the show, she's not in the first book. So she's also in the Six of Crows series. Okay. She does join the team of Kaz, Inej, and Jesper. She's like part of their team. So when you see them meeting on the boat and she overhears them say, we need a heart render again. She's like, oh, and she looks over. So it's that's like their backstory before they get to Six of Crows is what I'm assuming. Like this is oh, how they the met. This is how they met. Okay. Um, so we don't even, we don't know what's in store for her or all the things that she's going to do. At least I don't know yet. I only read the first book in Shadow and Bone and I plan to read all of them and everything because I want to know everything about this world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm very interested and invested in her relationship with that guy. With the hot Fjordan. I am yeah. here for it. I was just like, that was a storyline that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. But normally with shows, you don't see as many storylines as there is with this show. Mm-hmm. I was definitely here for the Alina and Mal storyline the Alina and Darkling storyline, mm-hmm. and then the Hot Fjord and, and Nina storyline, and the heist storyline with uh, Kaz, Jesper, and Edge. That was that took me a little longer to get into. Yeah, I knew that they would meet up eventually with the other storylines, but I was here for those three first. I was just like, oh, I wonder where this is going to go because the show did a great job with uh, the slight twist at the end. With one of Kierigan's men coming in and saving Nina, supposedly saving Nina. Oh, right. At the yes. end. Yeah. And stopping the Fjordan's heart. And mm-hmm. when they had just really finally connected. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no. Threw him in a jail cell. Now the Fjordan is super upset with Nina. Thinking that this yeah. witch conspired against him as a traitor. That's not the case. But I, I'm curious to see where they take it in season two. That storyline it could really go anyway. It really could. I'm very curious to read the Six of Crows because I like when I watch these shows, I like to feel like God. I want to know everything that's going to happen. <laughs> I do like some surprises. Okay. I'm okay with surprises. I want to know where it's going. Mm-hmm. So now they've met the Six of Crows. I mean, is there going to be six of them? I don't know. Six of Crows fans help us out here because there's four now. Right. Okay. So there's yes. the four of them. Well, they'll, Will there be two more people to add to that? Will, will it be Alina be? and Mal? The Darkling, because he's Bay. I don't know. No, he had a pretty strong presence at the end. Yeah. He's not dead. No. Oh, Yeah, spoiler alert. Darkling's in, not dead. Yeah, he's not dead. In the books, in that part where they're all on the skiff, nobody comes to Alina's aid. So she ends up letting everyone die except for Mal. She thinks everyone is dead because she takes her light power, saves Mal, and they get out of the, like they run out of the fold. Mm -hmm. And she has to kind of live with that guilt that she, she didn't save everyone. Right. Okay. She let everybody die in the book, but because they introduced like the six of crows characters and we have kind of a, you know, they kind of just let those characters die. So they had to do that differently. So it kind of ended on a much lighter note that, like, she saved everyone. But in the books, like, you know, she kind of has to grapple with the guilt of letting everyone die. Yeah, and I could tell that there was guilt when she didn't completely destroy the fold. She definitely knows that she has work to do. She looked at the fold and was like, I'm going to be back. So season two slash season three, we are here for it. I do like how at the end of the show, she was like, I was chosen. 
by the stag. It does talk about that in the books where the power was given, not taken away. So that's right. Yeah. So she, the stag gave her that. It wasn't, she didn't have to take it from him. So it's even more powerful. Interestingly enough, though, the collar, only she had a collar. He didn't have a piece of the stag in his hand in the book. Oh. I think it's sometimes I they have to do more of a visual representation to show what is kind of unsaid in like a narration in a book mm-hmm. in the narrative. She was able to break free of his power internally. But I think they showed that really beautifully when she like popped that thing out of his hand. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to straight up go and cut off his hand. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Do it. Yeah. He'll grow it back. But yeah, that's he'll fine. probably grow it back yeah. and it'll be some kind of weird dark hand. Yeah, I'd be ashamed to get rid of those beautiful hands because they're gorgeous. Why do I love them so much? Anyway, but yeah, so now they're out of the folds, kind of start their new life. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that Netflix did a great job of doing for their BTS, their behind the scenes, they did a great job showing the fight scenes and mm-hmm. how much choreography and training went into it. Yeah. And I was so impressed from gunslinging to sword swinging, martial arts, everything in combat. Yeah. Yeah. It was impressive. Did you see that YouTube video where they had all those cardboard boxes st- stood up to look like the walls and then the two guys come in in Nina's fight scene? Her no. fight scene was intense. But yeah, so they showed kind of how that was choreographed and how they kind of film it when they're not in costume and with like props. So that way they can get the footwork right. Yeah. Okay. And they practice it like over and over. And I thought that was really interesting. That was probably my favorite fight scene of the show. And remember when the Fjordan, the hot Fjordan mm-hmm. guy, he throws that thing through the window. You don't see him yet. And it's that rope that wraps around her and like stops her hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a behind the scenes video that on YouTube showing how they did that. Oh, I gotta watch it. Okay. And it's also, I mean, shout out to all of the stunt people. They throw themselves on the ground. It's so intense. I'm like, how do you take a fall like that? I have no idea. Bone like like they just know how to fall on their backs yeah, and then they're fine. I know how to take a dive as a volleyball player, yes, but the you do. amount of falling like choreography that goes into falling that stunt people do is intense. That's that's a gift. Just that takes a lot of training. Let me sign up for this job where I constantly get the crap beaten out of me or <laughs> constantly take dives out of windows, casually have bombs thrown around me. Yeah, no big. No problem. No big. We call that a Tuesday. Yeah, thrown off a horse. Yeah. Slashed in half. No big deal. Okay, so the costumes were so gorgeous. In the book they they, she describes the keftas in such detail, and it's almost its own character in the book. And the different colors mean different ranks. So when Ooh. the Darkling offers her the black kefta, that was such a sign of honor. Like, you are of the highest rank. I was going to say elitism, for sure. Yes. And so white means servant. And then there's blue and red and different ones for like the Inferni and then the Ethriolaki. I hope I'm saying that right. But there's different levels of Grisha. So he offers her the black one. You know, she's not really a part of this world. So she doesn't want to stand out any more than she already does being the summoner. So she's like, no, I'm going to take blue. But it was kind of she didn't mean for it to be a dig to him, but it kind of was. So when she puts on the black mm-hmm. kefta, 
she's like, I'm with you now. I'm on full display. Yeah. You know, she's accepting that place and it's communicating to General Kerrigan, like, okay, almost like pledging her allegiance, but also, you know, the growing romantic relationship. She wants to be with him. She wants to be on that level with him and go wherever that might take her. I love the sort of Russian, like, punk influence, but there's also this beautiful, like, Asian element intermixed. And that was what was driving me nuts. I was like, why do I love these costumes so much? Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned that it's a combination hybrid of Russia and China. Yes. I was just like, oh, there it is. Okay. And it once you mentioned that, it totally stuck out. And now I can't unsee it. But it's just this beautiful hybrid piece of culture that I'm staring at. And I could not put my finger on it until you mentioned it. I'm so fascinated with that history of, like, you know, the Russian-Chinese border. I mean, Mongolia is in between a lot of it, but there is a big section where their borders touch. Mm -hmm. It's very much inspired by that, and it's done so beautifully and woven together so seamlessly. Here's this girl. She's half Shuhan, which is, or half Shu, they say in the, the show, just those mixture of those influences and those cultures is it's just breathtaking to watch it's so pretty yeah and it it keeps you warm yeah and it's bulletproof and it's bulletproof i mean what more could you want even the music it's the kind of music that moves your emotions and you don't even realize that it's there like did you even notice the music not at all no and normally that stands out to me because it is its own character in this story, and they did it so well. What I wasn't expecting was the Bagra to be the unsung hero at the end of the show. She just came out of nowhere to protect Alina after she's, throughout the show, like, beating her to get her powers to show. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how protective she was of her, making sure that, spoiler alert, her son, who's the Darkling, Mm -hmm. did not get his way. She just wanted to make sure at the end that Alina was protected. I think her motive was to protect everyone else from her son. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, she, she knows, yeah, she's protecting Alina because of the power. It's the only power that might be able to match his, Mm -hmm. you know, in the book, she says she taught him to be that ambitious and that strong. He's got more and more greedy. It's interesting though, because in the book, he flat out says that he doesn't know what the Bagra's power is. He lies a lot more to Alina in the Uh-oh. book. Mm-hmm. So the only part where he's really lying is, you know, remember when they go by the fountain and he's like, that's my great, great mm-hmm. relative grandpa or whatever, the black heretic, you know, he lies to her then, but he kind of, he lies kind of continuously. And also he makes the first move in the books instead of, you know, how Alina kisses him. Oh, right. How he says, I'm not often surprised, like after she kisses him and then, you know, asking for consent and that whole thing before, you know, they are about to get jiggy with it. That's not in the book. He's a little bit more aggro and a little bit more unlikable. But I think, you know, to give somebody longevity in a show, you have to create those moments of empathy towards that character. Mm -hmm. And it worked because... We want him to be our boyfriend. We definitely do. We really, oh, really want to wear matching keftas with him. <laughs> right. And <laughs> frolic through the countryside. 
on our horses. So now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. So the Fangirls podcast is now officially on Pinterest. Woot woot. I've had an absolute blast uh, creating boards of all of our favorite fandoms. So do yourself a solid and share some pins with us. Follow us. We yes. love to meet you guys via Pinterest. Yeah, and we have catchy little memes that we make that are really fun for like your phone backdrop or just to repost like from any fandom that you love. Yeah, we're having a good time with that. We're also on TikTok. We're pretty good at making thirsty edits of all of our favorite bays from our shows. Like we have Bridgerton edits, we have Outlander edits, and now Darkling. We have an edit of him on TikTok, and it's pretty darn fun. And TikTok is our new favorite pastime, just in general. So if you guys have a fun TikTok that you want to send our way, please do it. We're yes. here for it. We love going down the TikTok rabbit hole of fandoms. Join us next Wednesday as we give you the cure for Droughtlander. Thank you for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all the latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions, so like our community page on Facebook and join the conversation. Join us next Wednesday as we teach you how to survive Droughtlander. See you next time! Drop that sexy disclaimer. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with any of the following. Netflix, Lee Bardugo, HBO, or Marvel. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.